Welcome to Music, Hope, Word, and Prayer, a podcast of rich music, hopeful prayer, and inspiring meditations with East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, a community church in the greater metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee. We are a faith community made up of a loving, welcoming family of believers in honest conversation with God. We seek to emulate the ministry of Jesus through compassionate service with stimulating and relevant exploration of God's Word, and by sharing that Word and God's many blessings with our neighbors in Middle Tennessee and around the world. Hello, welcome to Music Word, Hope, and Prayer. This is John Hilly at East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, and around here, we are thinking about joy this season. Uh, why are we doing that? Well, it is the season, but, but also in reality, it's not always easy to find joy amid so much going on, and let's, let's name it, weariness and the consistent storms. Man, Nashville got hit again with some tornadoes this past week, and there's a lot of weariness and difficulty going on in people's personal lives. So uh, um, we, we're talking about joy because as part of the theme in the lead up to Christmas uh, around here of choosing joy as an act of courage. Uh, and to help us, we're looking uh, at an encounter in Scripture of two women, Mary and Elizabeth. You find their story in the early part of Luke, and I've included the link to that Scripture patches that I'm just going to be talking about in today's episode uh, of how these two individuals can offer us um, some examples of how we might live with more joy in a, in a weary world. Last week, uh, we emphasized that joy is deeper than happiness because Joy is not tied to things going well. Uh, I had a great time talking to um, my colleague, Ajane Holmes, a coordinator of Faith Formation, and we spoke about um, how joy and pain can coexist together. I really hope that you will listen and give feedback and share if you didn't get a chance to look at last week's um, episode. But here's what I hope you will take away from today. That is that you do not need to do the hard things alone that there's power in connection. Mary and Elizabeth show us this. There's a gift in community. Mary and Elizabeth show us this. And there's a gift in the offering of blessing one to another. And Mary and Elizabeth show us that. You see, joy is tied to the confidence that the love that makes sense of the world has called your name, that you belong, and that you have reason for hope after all, Jesus said, in speaking to his disciples, he expressed this love when he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. Folks, joy is relational. It's not a solo act. Joy is personal. So it lives in each of us. It lives in me. But it is rooted in us. And to have joy articulated in our life. It takes some intentionality, and that's what I want to talk about. Uh, I'll come back after uh, and, 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 and share what I'm thinking about Mary and Elizabeth and your life in just a few minutes. Uh, I think Nate is going to lay down a, a song that they did this past uh, Sunday uh, by Carol King, and uh, that's a wonderful fitting piece in the light of Mary and Elizabeth's story. Here's the prayer for today. Oh God, we know that you're near. We know that you are standing at the door. You're running down the driveway. You are inviting us in. 
into your word, into relationship, and into deeper joy. So, in this time and on this day, do not let us pass you by. Do not allow the destruction, <laughs> destruction and distractions or doubt to get the best of us. Do not let us walk down this road without you. Instead, give us the wisdom to turn and run your way. Give us the wisdom to hear your wisdom, to let it sink into our bones and change us. With hope and gratitude, we pray. Amen. When you're down in trouble and you need some loving care, So over the next few minutes, I want us to think about joy because it's not always easy to find in this world. Uh, The pressures, strains of the world are heavy. Uh, In the opening, I mentioned how Nashville got hit by, uh, north of Nashville and Hendersonville and Madisonville, Madison, got hit by tornadoes and hardships that families and businesses are facing uh, after the storms uh, has subsided. And then there are consistent storms that come to personal life. Joy can be such a rare disposition, but for people of faith, joy can be a friend, a fairly constant companion, and even in a world that gives us many reasons not to be joyful, joy is ours. So as I said, I want to talk to you about this uh, 
encounter between Elizabeth and Mary, and how in the Gospel of Luke, when they come together, joy expands. Luke's Gospel account offers us so much. Uh, It's a nuanced portrait of two individuals who balance fear with courage, doubt with faith, vulnerability with strength. And when they aren't sure of what to make of this all full news, separately, together, they could as they carry each other's joys. It gives us, folks, a portrait of ourselves, of what we might become at our very best. The gift of community, of joyful community. So in this story, I've included the link. Here's what we got going on. Top line is the angel Gabriel visits young Mary. Gabriel leaves. Mary runs with haste. The gospel writer tells us a newly pregnant teenager makes for the hills, not slowing until she reaches the home of Elizabeth, her older cousin, her also pregnant cousin. And the gospel writer also writes that Elizabeth had been alone for five months. Never really caught that until I looked at something that Dr. Will Gaffney had translated in Luke one twenty four when she translated it this way, quote, and she hid herself, she hid herself for five months, end quote. Hmm. You think, why the seclusion? Recently, uh, my son Aaron, uh, he's 32, and he posted on his Instagram account a painting he was working on, an acrylic and oil painting. And it's a painting of just women. And uh, it's the image uh, that we're using for today's podcast episode. Now, Aaron starts his work by making a collage of images and paints from the collage he has made. When I saw what he was working on, I thought of this gospel story because it's one of the rare stories in the Bible that is female-focused. In very much a men's world back then, the story is all about the women. The priest, Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, and the man presumably in charge is literally silenced throughout, and he's kind of on the edge of this story. The two women meeting and sharing the experiences with one another. One is young, one is old, one is married, one is not yet married, one is carrying the word of God, and one is carrying the one who prepares the way. But both must have had questions. Have you ever had questions, those persistent questions? And we can speculate Elizabeth's questions. Does the Lord know how old I am? The shame of being barren has caused me to be weary. How am I supposed to rejoice with this news? We don't hear her questions in this text, but we hear her resolve. If you look at Luke 1, 25, verse 25, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably and took away the disgrace I have endured from my people, she writes, or she says. And then Mary, Mary had questions. Chief among them is, who am I to raise the son of God? And I suspect, is any of this for real or am I losing my mind? She must have had so many questions, and there must have been so many occasions for doubt, so many possibilities as well, and needless to say, she needed safety, affirmation, empathy, companionship. 
She needed to recognize, nurture, and celebrate the work of God in her life. Someone who will receive, not reject, she needed to find. So she goes with haste to visit Elizabeth. And here's what I'm wondering. Remember, Elizabeth has been in isolation, hiding herself. You know, some of us listening know that strategy. When the relationship ends, or things that go awry, how often it is easy to isolate ourselves and to pull back. Could it be that Mary's arrival, though, pulls Elizabeth out of her seclusion of five months, allowing her to experience joy and delight. The child leaps in her womb and she is filled with the Spirit. She can't help but to rejoice. And then her joy becomes contagious and wraps around young Mary. And what comes to my mind, it's aided by reading the story and sitting with it. It's aided by my son's artwork, is the mutuality of blessing that comes in Mary's visit It comes in Elizabeth's outpouring, blessed are you among women, she says to her cousin. Elizabeth astutely connecting the dots in Mary's story. She makes the connection between trust and blessing. Mary's favorite status has nothing to do with wealth or health or comfort or ease. Her blessing lies solely in her ability to trust God and to surrender to God's will. And Elizabeth's blessing... Mary's visit seeking out her kin, reminding Elizabeth that we do not need to do the hard work, the hard things alone. There's power in connection. Maybe you have experienced it before, who a friend has come to you in your hour of need and has shown you the way. Here's the point it is when they are connected that they experience shared joy. It is joy, it is when they come out of their isolation that joy becomes the connection. That may be a word for you today. If we're going to know joy in our lives, then it is very helpful to pay attention to the relationships in our lives because joy while we may enjoy a walk in the woods by ourselves, while we may enjoy sitting and listening to music by ourselves, joy is not a solo act. And this powerful story of Elizabeth and Mary doesn't just underscore how joy takes place in connection, but it also underscores the gift of blessing. I was reading something that Debbie Thomas wrote where she says, we don't live in a time or culture that encourages us to bless one another. What would it be like to recover Elizabeth's vocation of blessing, to cultivate spiritual attentiveness, to gaze long and deeply at each other, looking for glimpses of God? How would our churches change, she writes, if we made a point of discerning, naming, and blessing the divine gifts we see in each other? As Elizabeth exclaims with a loud cry when she recognizes God's life-changing work in Mary, what a compelling image. That joy flourishes when we bless each other.
I handed out a book um, called Life Worth Living. It's a book written by Miroslav Volf up at Yale, along with some other professors of his uh, colleagues. It's based upon the most popular class at Yale University. Uh, one of the uh, teachers uh, was a woman by the name of Angela Williams Goral, who she herself has written a book, The Gravity of Joy. And she was hired to study joy. Shortly after being hired, Angela Gorel got word that a close family member had died by suicide. And then less than a month later, uh, she lost her father to a fatal opioid addiction. And her nephew, shortly after that, only 22 years old, to sudden cardiac arrest. And so this theoretical joy, she was researching at Yale, suddenly she writes felt shallow and distant, completely unattainable in the fog of grief. My vocation was supposed to be joy, she writes, and I was speaking at funerals. But joy was closer at hand than it seemed. As she began volunteering at a woman's maximum security prison outside of New Haven, she met people who suffered extensively yet still showed a tremendous capacity for joy. And she met with them in a Bible study that she led and talking with these women, many of whom had struggled with addiction and suicidal thoughts themselves, she realized, as she writes, joy doesn't obliterate grief. Instead, joy has a mysterious capacity to be felt alongside sorrow, and even sometimes, most especially, in the midst of suffering. And in her book, The Gravity of Joy, A Story of Being Lost and Found, in the closing pages, she writes this about what she encountered when she went and met with these women in the prison, of how they encouraged her to see the good, even as minuscule as it may seem, to find meaning in all things, and to be thankful even as she was often um, dissatisfied and lamenting, she says, and they gave her the sense of belonging. And she walked out um, and into her last class that she was teaching to a bunch of undergrads at Yale. And she was teaching the last class that she would teach at Yale. And it was the final hour of class and if you've ever been in a situation where it's the last time you will speak to somebody, you're wondering what you're going to say. And that was on her mind. And what she wanted to do was to make a connection for them between what uh, they had written in their final papers about what a life worth living was and their next steps. But most of all, she wanted to draw a connection between the college students at Yale and the life experienced by those in the Bible study at the, at the prison in New Haven. And she says, I wanted the last sentence of the lecture to convey what I had gained from the women in prison. And then she says she told the students some of the greatest truths that she had learned from them. And it, it was this, and it's the word to you today. Do not be afraid to tell someone that their life is worth living. 
Do not imagine that you have something more important to do than this. Do not imagine that there are more intellectual, deeper tasks. Do it as much as possible. Look people in the eyes and tell them that they matter, that their life is worth living. I'm convinced, she closes out her book, that this simple but profound act can rescue others. It can even rescue us. This Advent, in the lead up to Christmas, we're looking at joy, not just as an idea, but as a practice. So imagine that you have a piece of paper in your hand. What would it be like if you take this piece of paper and you write some names on it? And here's the prompt. These names may be various stages and places in your life. The, the people who are there named on this piece of paper, no one on this list knows who they are, that they're on this list, sorry. But because it's not for them, it's for you. On this piece of paper is the name of someone who may have inspired you, forgiven you, or who demonstrated courage to you, someone who has been like a Mary to you or an Elizabeth to you. This little practice is to write down these names and then put it in a place only you know about, in your wallet or in your purse. And this little practice will remind you that joy lives in relationships. Cole Arthur Riley, who I hope to see in January at a conference, she's a writer and a poet, has said joy is inherently communal. She says that joy like this is less a form of happiness. It is a form of peace because it is rooted in the knowledge that we are loved, that we belong, that we have others in our corner, that our lives are not a solo act. So that's how you've been blessed by others. But also think about who may need to hear that their life matters. Of what Amanda Goral says, there's nothing more important than this. I encourage you to put some of those names down too, of who you can pay attention to, who are in need of a blessing coming from your mouth to their life. Who has provided you with a gift of blessing? Who needs your blessing? Being part of the Presbyterian Church, we have a confession that we uh, have as part of our being. It's called a brief statement of faith. And part of it reads this way. In a broken and fearful world, the Spirit gives us courage to pray without ceasing. And it goes on to say, in gratitude to God, empowered by the Spirit, we strive to serve Christ in our daily task and to live holy and joyful lives. Thank you for listening, and thanks for being a blessing to others. Thank you for joining East Brentwood Presbyterian Church today for music, hope, word, and prayer. To learn more about the life and ministry of EBPC, our commitment to being a Matthew 25 congregation, 
or to support this ministry with a financial contribution, visit us at our website, ebpctn.org, or visit us on Facebook at East Brentwood PC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, EBPC Videos. Thank you.